calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hi, my name is Margaret Franklin, and I'm the president and chief executive of CFA Institute. I'm excited to welcome you to this podcast series, which will tell the diverse and inspiring stories of some of our charter holders from around the globe. In this first episode, we'll hear Sybil Patry's charter story, a story of struggle, grit, and perseverance in the face of some real challenges. So I kind of had three things going against me, my age, my gender, and my ethnicity. So it was extremely important for me to prove to myself that I could do it. As a female leader in this traditionally male-dominated field, I feel a personal connection to Sybil's journey to earning her charter and can relate to her investment management career path. Let me tell you a little bit more about Sybil's background. She's a CFA and Kaya charter holder and works as the Vice President of Corporate Strategy at American Century Investments. At work and in her community, she's a leader in championing diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her story begins with her parents' journey to America. My parents immigrated to America from Kerala, India, with nothing really but a couple of suitcases. And it sounds extremely cliche, but it's true. We, we come from a poor dirt road village in South India. And my dad had a high school education, but he's the smartest and most hardworking person I know. At one point in his life, he worked for four years straight. Her father's job for the entirety of Sybil's childhood to this very day is running a convenience store. So he often took me to the store, even when I was a baby, and I used to nap on the floor while my mom was working her shift as a nurse. And he took care of us and his own parents and nine brothers and sisters who were back in India at the time. So can you imagine being responsible for that many people and not complaining about it? My dad and my mom, they have grit. That very convenience store is where Sybil's charter story begins. I've worked in my dad's store for as long as I can remember growing up. So we had a few lotto machines. We had cards and gifts, candy, gum, and things like that. I would work after school and on weekends instead of doing the typical resume building stuff like playing sports or joining clubs. I helped stock items. I attended the register. I played lotto numbers. I blew up balloons and I even cut keys. And I just really liked interacting with people. I liked being around my dad because other than that, he worked all the time. So I never really got a chance to see him. So it was just quality time with my dad as well. While Sybil's mom and dad wanted something better for her and dreamed of her forging her own way in the United States, they couldn't afford many of the developmental programs that could start her down a career path. I did have aspirations and there were a lot of things that my parents couldn't really give me. I remember wanting to take piano lessons and begging my parents for piano lessons. And I went once and I still remember it was like $30 for half an hour. And they said, this is too much money. And I went to one lesson and that was it. We couldn't afford it. 
But I also think that I was really, really fortunate because my parents did want me to get a good education and do something more than they had for themselves. Sybil's family remained dedicated to her future and made sure she went to college. And it was there that she discovered a love of finance. And then I said, okay, this is great. I actually really enjoy doing this. And it kind of makes sense because of the math background that I had and I really liked. And I grew up around money and I wanted to earn money and figure out how to make more money and, you know, capitalism and things like that. Sybil graduated from Pace University with a degree in finance. But facing the struggle so many new graduates do, she couldn't find a job right away. And that's how I ended up going back and working with my dad again. And honestly, my dad was pretty disappointed that I graduated and was still working at the store. I mean, he welcomed me to work there, but it just didn't fulfill the dream he had for me. He didn't want me to take over the business. You know, he wanted more for me. So he said to me, you know, maybe you can at least get a job as a teller at a local bank. One day, Sybil's dad gave her resume to a customer who came in regularly. He happened to be an assistant branch manager at North Fork Bank. What neither Sybil nor her father knew is what would happen next. Nick, who was the assistant branch manager, actually sent my resume to the headquarters of the bank, and it ended up in front of Dave Kurtzman, the hiring manager for the analyst program there. One day the phone rang, and it was a hiring manager from North Fork Bank asking Sybil to come in for an interview. And I needed a piece of paper to write down the interview information. So we actually used, we used to use the lotto paper as scrap paper throughout the day. So it's very typical, like a post-it note for us. Sybil still has that blank lottery ticket with names, dates, and numbers written on the back, marking her first interview. She's held on to it because it signifies so much to her beyond being her winning ticket. Some people were just born with a winning lotto ticket, right? Whether it's the color of their skin, their socioeconomic status, their gender identity, their religion, anything that makes your life easier through no effort of your own. So others that weren't born with this privilege have to, one, work really hard, and two, sometimes just get really lucky. And they still might not end up being successful, right? So for me, the lotto ticket represents that I worked really hard, but I still needed that luck to be in front of the right person at the right time. After completing rotational analyst program, Sybil was hired full-time at North Fork Bank, managing investment portfolios. She was still in her early 20s. I absolutely loved everything about investing, and I was still very much in learning mode. And I had a great boss who taught me about being patient and rebalancing portfolios. And I was always very passionate about learning as much as I could and continuing my education. Sybil decided to get a master's in finance from Baruch College, and that's where her path to her charter began in earnest. Sybil had decided to get her charter as soon as she had completed her master's, but was filled with doubt as to whether she could pull it off. It was a class with Professor Joseph Anochi that gave her the confidence to take the level one exam. Professor Anochi's class was very challenging. I would say it was the best CFA prep class ever. His exams were really tough, but they were fair. And I still remember the nerves and the anticipation before sitting for his exams. It was almost identical to sitting for the CFA exam. His class really prepared me for the challenges of the CFA. 
And it also gave me the confidence that I was lacking, at least enough to sign up. Something that I admire about Sybil is her honesty and openness about her ongoing struggles, facing her doubts, and her abilities to measure up. I wasn't a very confident person, and that's actually still something that I work on to this day. I knew that I could work hard, but I wasn't sure if I was inherently smart enough to pass. I didn't go to an Ivy League business school. I didn't have tutors or mentors to show me the ropes. So I didn't really have anybody telling me that I could pass this test. I think it really helps to have cheerleaders or a support system if you're not confident in your own abilities. Somebody that is there to support you and tell you that, yeah, you're capable of doing this and you're smart on your own and, and you can do this. Sybil's motivations behind the charter were similar to so many candidates who chose this path, driven by a love of finance and the desire to become the best professional they can be. But Sybil's journey was also fueled by the desire to prove herself in this industry that's often dominated by professionals who look, sound, and think the same. There was one person on my investment committee at North Fork Bank that really gave me a hard time, and he happened to be an older white man. He didn't take me seriously and he talked down to me. And instead of trying to teach me what he knows, he just seemed irritated that I had a seat at his table. So I kind of had three things going against me, my age, my gender, and my ethnicity. So it was extremely important for me to prove myself, particularly to him, but also to other people. So Sybil decided to take the next step in her career and began the challenging journey of studying for the level one exam. I studied really hard. I made myself an Excel spreadsheet schedule. I committed to studying three hours every day after work and eight hours on weekends. I didn't go to parties and I, you know, I declined social activities and events for when I was studying, especially for the, the last couple of months leading up to the exam. And I literally wrote notes to myself in the margins of my study notebooks. I would write down things like how many days I had left. And I used to write things like, you cannot fail, you have to pass. And it wasn't even inspirational. It was almost, I feel like I was like threatening myself or something. I probably put too much pressure on myself looking back at it, but I was my own cheerleader, I guess. The process to become a CFA charter holder is difficult. My first attempt at level one, I was a brand new mother and I put my head down for what I thought was just a moment. And when I woke up, it was clear I had slept through most of the morning exam. The challenges we face can sometimes call into question our ability to persevere, to make it through, and to ultimately join this community of investment professionals. I feel imposter syndrome every day. And it's just the feeling that, you know, somebody is going to call you out or figure out that you really don't know what you're doing. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was my upbringing or because I'm a woman in a male-dominated space. But especially for the charter, you know, I knew that you had to be, quote unquote, super smart to pass this really rigorous test. And I just, you know, I just didn't know if I could do it. And when I did pass the first one, I thought, okay, like maybe this is a fluke. How could I have passed this exam that's supposed to be so hard that only 30% of the people that take it pass? And then again, for the second one, there's no way I can pass this. This is supposed to be super difficult. 
Inspired by her parents' grit and her own desire to earn the distinction, Sybil passed all three exams and earned the charter. Having the CFA charter helped put me on a level playing field with others in the industry. As I've mentioned, the industry is very white, male-dominated, and that's just a fact. As a woman of color coming from an immigrant family without access to a fancy Ivy League education, the charter provides a really rigorous exam that you can self-study for, and it's affordable compared to grad school tuition. And it's actually one of the top requirements for a lot of the jobs that I was interested in pursuing. So while it would have helped me get the next job, for me, it was much more than that. But I think the main reason was I wanted to see if I could do it. There are many motivations behind every candidate's desire to earn the charter, and each individual is unique. I should have only taken this exam to prove to myself that I can do hard things, and that's it. Being able to proudly display the letters CFA next to her name today has been a game changer for Sybil both in her professional and personal life. Having those three letters next to my name, okay, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but bear with me. It represents the blood, sweat, and tears of not just me, but my ancestors. And I think you can appreciate that in our long journey to have a better life, right? And it, it sounds dramatic, but it's true. You know, this charter belongs to my whole family and those that didn't get the opportunity or the lotto ticket to have this life. So it carries much more than just me. Such an incredible story. We hear from many candidates who have questions about how their careers will be impacted once they've made it through our program. One thing we're often asked is, what if I eventually leave finance? Or if I remain in finance but not managing money, will my CFA distinction still be relevant? I started in investments, but I have had roles in business development, in marketing, in product management for most of my career, where the CFA came in very useful. And right now I do corporate strategy and development. And, you know, for a lot of these roles, the CFA is preferred, sometimes required. And it is, you know, for the product manager role, for example, While you're not managing money, you are trying to explain really uh, complicated investment topics and strategies to either train your own sales force on how to sell these products and services or to financial advisors or directly to clients and, you know, institutional clients. So it's really important to be able to speak that language and have that technical ability because the person that's managing the money is not always going to be there in front of the client. I always say a career in finance is about so much more than the numbers, and our program caters to that too. Another thing we often hear from candidates going through the CFA program is, what if after months of studying, you don't pass the exam? As much as you're committed to becoming a charter holder, what if you can't? There are a lot of very smart, successful and capable people that don't have the charter for whatever reason. And so I feel like people do beat themselves up when they fail or something, you know, gets in the way, a life situation, a family, you know, whatever the case may be. Just 
If you don't have the charter, don't let that define you. And it's just one piece of the puzzle when it comes to different credentials that you can have and what makes you successful in this field. So I really wouldn't beat myself up for it or you know, beat yourself up for it if you're having challenges taking the exam or passing the exam. It's not the be all and end all. Ultimately, Sybil's charter story always goes back to one thing, her family. So for me, I know I'll never take my current job for granted, knowing what it took from both of my parents, my mom and my dad, for me to get here. And I try to make him proud because I feel like I'm an extension of him and probably got some of his genes when it comes to grit and raw intellect. So when I go back to the store to this day, that's what it reminds me of. And, you know, the childhood, but also who my dad is and the significance that he has in my life. And now it is my great pleasure to speak with Sybil to make a special announcement. Hi, Sybil. Hi, Margaret. Thank you so much for having me back on. We've just heard your inspiring and thought-provoking charter story. And honestly, when we first heard it here at CFA Institute, we had one thought. Sybil should host this podcast series and help bring the charter stories of so many others to our community. Well, that's just wild and extremely kind of you. So thank you. I am so happy to have this opportunity. I want to thank you personally for sharing your story and for joining us as the host of this series moving forward. What are we going to be hearing in future episodes? You know, since my story was recorded, the folks at CFA have been speaking with many other charter holders around the world, collecting their stories too. These are folks from diverse backgrounds, with experiences that are surprising, insightful, and really personal. But what they all have in common, of course, is the hugely impactful role the Charter has played in their lives. Storytelling is a really powerful tool, and it's incredible to be able to weave everybody's personal stories together about how the CFA Institute and the Charter has impacted their lives. Well, thank you again, Sybil. I can't wait to hear more. And thank you all for listening to My Charter Story, the first of many inspiring stories to come. You can find out more about the My Charter Story project at cfainstitute.org. Music